Coming up on The Naughtiest Naughty. There's still video footage of Ben literally spraying a whole can of hairspray onto his curtains to keep it in place. Welcome to The Naughtiest Naughty, a podcast where Liam Milburn and myself, Scott McGurdy, are on the lookout for the best song of the Naughties decade. We're going through every single top 10 track of the whole decade, month at a time. We've just completed the whole of 2000, where we've had some very special pop tracks, including the World Cup, and it is a special episode as we chat to Mark Reed. Mark is one quarter of the British-Norwegian band A1, formed in 1998 when I was just two years old, can you believe it? Uh, within a year of that they had top 10 hits with be the first to believe summertime of our lives and every time now we pick up with them in the year 2000 and their first hit was like a rose which was followed by their number one singles take on me and same old brand new you which was voted for as our winner of the world cup of 2000 hip-hop songs just a couple of weeks ago just think you were two you could have actually been pooing yourself to same old <laughs> brand new you at the time in this chat with mark we want to discuss his musical beginnings we want to find out how he became involved with A1. Uh, we want to know about stardom, the work that goes into getting a single really high up the charts. Um, and of course, it's very, very obvious we're going to have to talk about haircuts and curtains. Yeah. Plus kind of maybe let's get some idea of what Mark thinks about pop music today, what he's doing as a songwriter. And of course, there's a brand new single, Smile Again, out now. We need to know more about that. Yes. And this is actually a great place to start if you're brand new to the podcast as really early on, Mark just flips the interview totally and asks us about what we do. And we get to explain a bit about what what we do and how we started. Who'd have thought we'd be flip-flopping with Mark from A1? Right, let's get into it. <laughs> good morning, Mark. How are you? Hello! It's really good to chat with you. You have got at least the fourth most well-known member of A1 <laughs> with you right now, and that's pretty cool. We're honoured. We really, really are. Don't, 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 don't put it like that at all. We're very honoured. We really, really are. <laughs> We're really thrilled to have you on because of our World Cup that we just did, and you, of course, won, which is amazing. Woo! I mean, the A1 fans across the entire world absolutely smashed it. And it, to be honest, it came as a surprise to some of our younger listeners uh-huh. who maybe weren't weren't even born when A1 were a thing. Sure. We have got listeners who are like in their teens who who weren't aware of you at all. Oh, but a lot of our older listeners will have remembered a lot of these tracks mm-hmm. really vividly. Was it a surprise to you that A1 came out on top? You know, with act like NSYNC in the running as well and Backstreet Boys A1 prevailed Uh, absolutely firstly I just can't believe we are there I'm at that point in my life where we're we're talking about some of the younger listeners won't remember you I mean how did that happen (laughs) when did that I mean honestly I know this is such a cliche but it still just seems like five minutes ago like I still sort of tell myself yeah we're we're a relatively new band you know we've only been around for 20 20 years Um, but I know obviously in the pop world that is a hundred lifetimes you know we are officially Mm. i think it's i don't mind telling you we're like dinosaurs in the pop world now but that's cool dinosaurs are cool i love dinosaurs so i have no problem with it at all um (laughs) everybody does but yeah as you say that is an amazing an amazing surprise i mean there's some really tough competition in there obviously as you say with bands like nsync and the backstreet boys who were well, certainly the Backstreet Boys, and I think still today, one of the top top three boy bands of all time. So to be in that same category, that's very cool. Our phones have never vibrated as much in our life, but oh, yeah. you're talking about being dinosaurs. What age do you actually feel? That's a good question. I mean, it is it, it depends. Like at the moment, because we're recording this fairly early, I feel a, I, I actually almost feel my age right now. But most of the time, I I, I think I'm sort of just stuck feeling 23. Oh, wow. That's the age that I always feel, and I'm kind of happy to always feel 23. I, I'm fortunate that you know music keeps you young. It really keeps you passionate. I mean, you you know, you know yourselves. You, when you're talking about things that you're really passionate about, you you keep that kind of youthful energy that you had when you were younger. Mm. Uh, and I mean. I, I, it's, it's great hearing you guys chatting about these songs because I was exactly the same uh, 20 years ago before I got into the industry and then became really jaded and realised, you know, what a business it is. Mm. <laughs> so let's go right back to the start of your musical background. You were pretty Von Trappy as a family. There was a lot of music going on. Talk to us about how it started and how young 
you were. Absolutely. I love that reference. Yeah, we, were, <laughs> we are very Von Trappy. And um, uh, yeah, I mean, my whole family are very musical. My dad is a, a rock and roller. Uh, he's been in many, many rock and roll bands. My mum's an amazing musician and singer. Uh, she plays drums, plays piano, plays guitar and everything. So, And a generation behind that, my grandmother uh, is, is a dancer and a performer as well. She was one of the, the dance troupe known as the Tillers, the 60s Tiller girls. Oh, wow. who used to come on at a show called Sunday Night at the Palladium and dance. They they were they were. Let me kind of think. There was there's the Rockettes in America, and I mean people just you know you might think oh it's like the Can Can isn't it? It's that kind of thing. It's the kicking the legs up, and um, but they're actually very well respected in the industry. So that was my grandmother Rosemary. Um, my granddad was a circus performer, and uh, so yeah, it's definitely in the blood. It was pretty inevitable that I was going to be a performer. My my older brother Gary is a great singer, uh, and my oldest brother Colin is a DJ as well so yeah in the blood and I started very young I started when I was about three or four um, you know uh, playing piano and I kind of I, I went professional at age 11 Wow, wow. <laughs> that's quite young, I yeah, guess. Very young. I'm thinking though. Well, I, I probably thought I was professional, but clearly it wasn't <laughs> because I was probably still ta- probably still taking my coloring books to the gigs. So <laughs> not that professional. I love that you've said that your grand's name was Rosemary because I think maybe you need to download TikTok. You need to get into one of those old sixty outfits, and maybe you need to do a dance version of like a Rosemary potentially. <laughs> oh, here he is. <laughs> he's well, I, that's. <laughs> it is too early for that, but it's it's brilliant. It's keeping me going. So thanks. Yeah. Keep them Dave, coming. Over to you. I keep saying stupid shit. <laughs> no, it's all right. It's um. It- I'm just trying to get the dynamic here. So you say that, uh, um, Scott. So who's the who's the sensible one? And you know, I'm just trying to get your guys' dynamic. I love the show. It's really cool. I'm. Uh, but tell tell me a bit about yourselves. Um, I am a 36 year old basket case that feels like they're 19. <laughs> uh, Liam was four when these tracks came out and is in his early 20s wow, um, wow. i'm the i'm the radio presenter he's a producer for the bbc it's all it's all interesting really but yeah, uh, yeah i come from a place of having listened to the chart religiously yeah. and knowing every song and probably seeing most of your performances on live oh, and kick in and fully booked and cd uk oh. and all of that kind of crack so um, yeah. Don't, yeah don't don't be editing this stuff out now because this is really yeah. interesting this is what i want to know i want to hear what <laughs> yeah. you know uh-huh. uh, i want to hear about you guys and and i think it's really liam, liam the snog and his bob the builder <laughs> Amazing, amazing. But that's so cool. So what drove you to listen to that era of music then and to become passionate about that? Because obviously it's slightly before your time. So what what is it about the 90s and naughty songs that, that grabs you? Well, the, the, the way the idea for the podcast came up was I was in a car driving back from a gig in London and there's a, like, sort of like a, a sort of throwback playlist on and loads of stuff got spat out, but Busted came on and I, oh, yeah. it was uh, what I got to school for, their first single. And I just thought, mm. this is probably my favourite song of the noughties. And I was like, mm, actually, I can think of other ones that are probably even better. I wonder what the best one is. And it just, that's mm. kind of where it went from. And I thought me and Scott are the age difference where it's kind of different perspectives. We both yep. have a real passion for it. We've worked together in the past. We've, we've known each other for about nine years now. And um, it just, it just made sense. It's all come together really well. And yeah. it's just a thing we do. I mean, we, we do the show once a week, but I mean, the, the from, from my end anyway, it takes up so much of my week because I'm always just watching stuff and listening oh, yeah. stuff and reading smash hits. I found a site that's got like a smash hits archive. You're kidding. Uh, <laughs> I've been, I've been, leaf- I'll send you a link. It's, it's amazing. I've been, leaf- I've been leafing through like old, ish- old issues of smash hits I was going to say, where do you find these things? I mean, yeah. I've got a loft full of them. I mean, I can dig them out wow. anytime you like. Um, yeah. And my mum used to make uh, um, scrapbooks with all our cuttings, and we've yeah. I've got like five or six volumes of A1 as featured in Smash It's with our cover shots and things like that. One of my favourite uh, uh, covers was where they they did us up like Take on Me kind of Terminator style, and they were really proud of this cover because they were saying we've used CGI on this cover, and they and and actually it looks pretty crappy now if you look back at it but um but we all had kind of like the robotic eyes and things like that uh, and that was to coincide with the take on me video so i can remember that cover i certainly mm. i certainly remember that one but no yeah definitely hook me up with that link that yeah, sounds great i will it's it's been fascinating to read it's just i think uh, so much of social media now and twitter you get a lot of like interesting opinions and twitter arguments and stuff yeah, but back in the yeah. day it was all through smash hits letter pages and you cool. see that same kind of characteristic of these fans who just have these really wild and 
opinions and fantasies and it's it's all still there now in the modern day it's just taken a different form and it's really it's fascinating to read yeah really i see there's an uh a smash it's is it twitter page and also instagram i don't know if that's an official one but i mm. know that there is somebody on there that's posting tons of you know pictures from that from that era which is great because that was a real real i mean i know i'm gonna say this being from that era but it was feel, felt like a real golden era of pop mm. but a, like another a great era obviously every decade has its that kind of every generation has their you know favorites but i really feel that around that area as you say we like busted in uh, the, the, the who came later but obviously with uh spice girls then followed by uh bewitched steps yeah. and five and all those bands i mean that that what a what a great era for pop mm. i mean you know depending on uh what you're into but certainly me growing up i just loved all that it was just so much fun and and before before we started out in a1 i would go to back then it was woolies Woolworths or our price <laughs> yeah. and then a few of your listeners are going to be like Woolies what is he on about um, <laughs> but actually we had a, a shop called Woolworths, Woolworths and I can't even say that this time of morning um, <laughs> we have Woolworths where I'd go and buy all of the singles so no matter what was coming out I'd be like I'm going to get this one I'm going to get that one because they were only like 99p and I know some yeah. people the idea of buying music is a bit strange to them um, but once upon a time we did and so I, I uh, the, the, you know if it was new music it would be 99p but if it was more established bands like Oasis it might be 299 or 399 mm-hmm. per track but mm. I remember I used to buy all the singles Boyzone singles Take That singles uh, all of them and I still have quite a collection of CDs singles that are worth absolutely nothing yeah i know <laughs> did you buy your own oh yeah oh absolutely i i didn't buy unfortunately i think i sent my mum and dad out to get ours and that's why i think we've i've got so many of them now i've got like so many cd singles here there and everywhere and i think they used to, to come to the signings as well because i've got a bunch of them including same or brand you signed um and i'm just wondering what to do with them because i know a lot of people would probably love those but yeah i've got some Signs, uh, I don't know how my parents got so many. I don't know if they just kept rejoining the queue um, <laughs> to get them signed by us. But, but yeah, it was it was a great era, and I'm, I'm really excited to be talking about it with you. I feel a competition coming on to give some of these away. I think, Liam, we need to add one to our collection. What do you think? <laughs> Let's talk. I think that's a good idea. Let's talk about it, yeah. I think what we've discovered from from doing the show, I mean, we're, we're a year in now, we've done the year 2000, we're starting 2001 really soon. I think we're discovering that this is our sort of favourite period. We've, we've had a little look for, we haven't looked too far ahead as to what's coming in the, the later years, but I know these few years when pop is really, really... Un- unapologetically pop I think is what I would say like mm. these few years are just so exactly. so rich in terms of pop production and lyricism and the, the the looks the aesthetic of it all this is really a great era of it and then I know towards the middle of the decade it kind of goes more alternative there are some weeks mm-hmm. in the chart where it's just wall-to-wall indie bands yes but these few years you've got bands like yourself and NSYNC we've mentioned and you know Britney's still kind of in her pure mm-hmm. phase and Christina's coming through it's it is just so rich and so yeah. diverse like I think one of the main subgenres of of this era has been UK garage, and that's been such yep. a thing that's gone yeah. through the entire year. Where, where where did you see yourself as as part of the chart when you had other other acts like Craig David and So Solo Crew coming through? Where did you see yourself? How did you how did you see the the chart and the industry from from being in A one? I think you you picked the uh, the perfect word there, unapologetic, because mm. uh, and that's a great thing. It's sim- similar to to the eighties when you look at like glam glam rock. No, actually, glam rock was more seventies, but mm. but um, n- new romantic pop and all yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. It was just unapologetic, just doing what they wanted to do, and despite whether people thought it looked ridiculous or sounded ridiculous, you just did what you did, and you found an audience. and And I think we we you know, we were certainly a part of that in in the late nineties and early noughties. But I think you tend to just focus very much on what you're you're doing. I mm-hmm. mean, certainly we saw the the you know the UK garage movement that was happening, and that were uh, you know with um, with Robbie Craig, uh, like uh, what was that first one? Um, Dodger. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Craig David and everything. They were they were absolutely brilliant, brilliant songs that kind of changed everything the music uh, uk music scene at that time but but we just focused on what we were doing as despite all the magazines that like to create a lot of competition between us and other bands like five and there wasn't really any competition you just did what you did mm. and yeah and hoped you know you aspired to get another if you got another if you got a number one you'd be like oh i hope we can write another number one yeah and then it, it just becomes about you know at that time it comes about like chasing top 10 hits and things like that but now it's more of a case of just you know uh 
uh, still being here. And that's an incredible thing to mm. all these years later, still be having a very active fan base and still be touring all over the world and things. So, so yeah, t- times have certainly changed. But at the time, we pretty much just focused on what we were doing. And yeah, it was just about chasing those top 10 hits. Mm. I guess the chances you would get to really see your... I know they're not really rivals in terms of personalities and stuff, but in terms of the you know your chart rivals is where you finish. You know, be it one, ten, fifteen, whatever. It's kind of those CD UK performances or those like top of the pops performances. Yes. What 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 were they like from your point of view? Just kind of mingling with with your fellow with your peers, basically. What, mm-hmm. what was that sort of backstage experience? Like? I've always been fascinated as somebody who's grown up watching CD UK and having. Oh yeah, it's, it's it's amazing to think back then. You would have you know like a Saturday morning show, which would have like six of the biggest bands in. The, in the in the country near the world mm. all in the same place on the That's same right. show that, that 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 kind of blows my mind now as somebody who just doesn't see that in 2020 yeah I, yeah it, well there isn't shows like that i mean you actually no. you mentioned quite a few of them earlier on and i you mentioned some that i'd forgotten did you say fully booked fully booked on we had the saturday the saturday show as well yeah. um yeah. Uh, which which was uh, the saturday show there were so many shows around then and before our time, but I think we caught the tail end of it. I think it became the Saturday show was live and kicking. Um, no, mm. before live and kicking, it was going live, wasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. So all of those shows were around and what an amazing time for pop bands. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're absolutely right. Those performances were so important and absolutely crucial in you know, um, solidifying our chart position because you'd put the song out on a Monday. Uh, so you'd, you'd, you know, you'd do all the build up to it. You'd pr- uh, record the video, you know. And, and so if you imagine each single and an album has kind of like uh, six months to a year's build up mm. before you put something out um, and then you decide what your singles are going to be. And, and with us, we, uh, we, you know, before this is obviously earlier in '99, we we had some songs, but the record company um, MD, a chap by the name of Paul Berger, he was the the big cheese at Sony. Um, Cheeseburger, um, you, you totally missed that. His name is Paul Berger. <laughs> so he was the big cheese. You're Sorry, I'm really terrible. I'm trying. It's early. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so Paul Berger said, "Yeah, I like your songs, but you need something that's going to have a bit more of a global appeal. You need a bigger song." So then our manager hooked us up with with a great writer who you'll be i'm sure you'll be familiar with a gentleman by the name of peter connor who was in the band d ream oh he's from peter yeah mm-hmm. absolutely great great fella uh, we actually just saw him recently where we all did a gig together over in ibiza oi, oi. um last summer and um and because because of his experience of writing big hits like things can only get better and they did have other hits as well like you're the best thing and yeah yeah and so we wrote uh three songs together we wrote uh be the first to believe and then we wrote summertime of lives and then we wrote ready or not and i think he brought that kind of oh how do i explain it kind of um early 90s soul pop kind of vibe to it mm. um and uh but also very throwback like a, a track like ready or not is very you know kind of inspired by you you know, like sixties tracks and stuff. So yeah, so we 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 kind of needed to take things to the next level and and collaborate with some world class songwriters, and that really helped us get our uh, our first song to to chart, and our first single went at number six. But I'm I'm going way back now, uh, off off track with what we were talking about. But in terms of being on a show like CD UK, you'd put the song out on Monday. You'd be then told a midweek on Tuesday, which I always found really strange. How come we <laughs> hear the midweeks on Tuesday? That makes no sense at all because it's not even Wednesday. But you'd yeah. be told your chart position on a Tuesday. And they say, right, okay, it's looking like you're going to be, uh, I don't know, uh, n- number six. And we're like, oh, what? But, <laughs> so, so whatever you do in the week can change that. Yeah, I'll give you another example. The single Every Time was in the midweeks it was number three so then we would do all the various different performances top of the pops and then it went up to number two i remember them saying oh it's it's number two now and then uh, it was all set to be number two in the charts behind robbie williams who was number one with uh she's the one i believe mm-hmm. I'm, I'm actually going inside my brain with all my knowledge of all the pop bits it was either she's the one or uh strong but um so robbie was number one with she's the one we were number two with every time and will smith was number three with like i don't know will 2k or one of his tracks mm. so this is just how the chart can be changed at the you know the very last minute i think it was on a thursday they had the mtv awards and will smith picked up 
an award uh, and that pushed his mm-hmm. song to number two and our song back to number three. And uh, so we were, but but on that particular week, it was a really competitive week. And to, and the number, uh, Robbie was pretty safe at number one, but the number two and number three position were swapping around quite a lot. And it all depended on what you did on TV that would change that. Mm-hmm. In the end, we ended up staying at number three with, a, with something like 88,000 sales in one week, which is pretty Massive. awesome mm-hmm. and for us i mean that was before we'd had take on me and stuff but for, to, to sell that many in one week was was pretty impressive back in those times so yeah a show like cd uk can could completely change your position you could you could do the performance live on saturday morning and then by the afternoon it can bump you up a few places in the charts so those shows were really really integral to your final end of week chart position and then you'd all we'd all get together on the sunday and have a listen to the radio stick on radio one and and find out where we where we where we entered in the charts. It was a really exciting time. Well, that was the year, wasn't it? The big two thousand fight that we had between Victoria Beckham and Sophie Ellis Baxter. Really, oh, so yeah. that really that put everything in perspective for people because you think you know as a just as a as a as a punter, you don't realise how much goes on across the week. Yeah. But you know, we 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 all got that exposed to us as a big massive fight across the year 2000 yeah, absolutely right. when, we, when we were young yeah do you remember uh, victoria beckham she actually pulled out the uh, the the david beckham card and she was bringing him along to the signings so <laughs> that actually that that would bro- bring she fought a really uh, hard battle but i think in in this particular case the best song won uh, and uh, it was a really 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 good song mm-hmm. um but yeah i remember i remember that you're absolutely right that was a time where the and, and also you know with oasis and blur as well when they had their their rivalry going on that's when we were really made aware of uh, how much of a battle it can be to to get to that top spot and and the funny thing is is nowadays i don't even think people really realize what what's number one quite so much if you were to ask the average person on the street do you know what's number one this week they're probably haven't got a clue but back then you would you would be made more aware of what was happening in the charts because it, it still felt like quite a big deal. Yeah, well, I present a chart show on another radio station and it's uh-huh. a new and emerging music chart, but then with the Brilliant. Beatport charts, with all of the different Spotify charts and with the actual uh-huh. you know, official chart, the, the networked commercial radio show chart, it's, it's, there's so much difference for a lot of people. Really but, but thinking back to you, know, you in that race when you're sitting at number two, how could you describe what happens to your mental state across that week, actually, as a pop star? The thing is, is you get really caught up in it and you kind of, and, and believe it or not, you, you get disappointed when you get bumped down to number three. And still being in the top three with Will Smith and Robbie Williams is, is <laughs> you know, it's pretty good company. Mm-hmm. Um, and and ironically, uh, we found this later on with Caught in the Middle we sold enough to be number one for several weeks anyway. It just, it purely depends on the, uh, the competition that week. I mean, we've, there, you'll know this more than I do, but there, there's no telling from week to week to week what can make a number one. It, it, it really depends on who else is released that week. We, with Caught in the Middle, we were released the same week as Enrique Iglesias' Ooh, Hero. Hero, yeah. And um, we, Caught in the Middle was built up as our you know, big comeback single. We'd had a lot of things go down and we needed to take some time off. So we took a year away, around a year away, and we came back with Court in the Middle and it was like, wow, you know, really reinventing ourselves. And we felt that this was our best chance of taking things to the next level. Everything was in place. Everything, it was almost like one of those, you know, the stars are aligned moments, mm-hmm. which happens in, you know, pop culture, where all the stars are aligned to, to really hit big. And then th- then Hero came out. And we, we kind of, we were like, say, I remember at the time, we were saying to the label, is it a good idea releasing the same time as this? And they're like, no, no, it's, it's pretty, it's fairly big in America. But it's, you know, you don't have to worry about it over here. It's not, Enrique doesn't have quite the same following. Because, you know, I believe we were label mates. So they were actually putting us out on the same week as another one of their acts. Yeah. Mm. So, and that's always a bit of a, uh, that's just a bit of a strange thing. Because I know that's that's very much going into the kind of the business side of things. But, you know, uh, record companies can kind of eh, slightly manipulate things by choosing when they release certain acts. And I know it's a lot of scheduling and it's a lot of boring stuff. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you if they put us out on the same week as, you know, say Beyonce, then we're never going to get a, a look in because obviously all the <laughs> yeah. focus is going to be on her. And obviously they're not going to prioritize A1 over uh, Destiny's Child anyway, but... There's certain things like that that can happen that can have an effect mm-hmm. on on your final chart position. And I, I remember we really 
sensed that the hero was going to be really big. Rep companies were like, nah, well, this is what they told us. No, don't worry about it. And sure enough, we went in number two. We stayed at number two for a few weeks whilst Enrique dominated the charts at number one. And unfortunately, in this occasion, it was one of those occasions like eh, nobody remembers a number two, even though that that was our biggest hit. That was our biggest hit at the time. Yeah. It was certainly our biggest radio hit. It's funny. I think people mm. underestimate Enrique's. Ah, ah, that is like Andy Dropper. All you've got to do is send a control. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was me singing, not, not Mark, by the way, just in case you're <laughs> no, wondering. Of course, yeah. of course. Um, yeah, that was that was pretty amazing. Now, the first time you met mm. the lads in, you must have been 19. Around you know, then, yeah. What was it actually like whenever you got together? How did the get-together happen, and when did you first meet each other? It was, we were just uh, such hyper kids. Actually, like, Christian was a little more chilled. <laughs> Christian has always been a very chilled, smooth, you know, Norwegian with a Southern American drawl because uh-huh. he actually studied in Lexington, Kentucky, and he yeah. actually went to the same high school as Brian from the Backstreet Boys. Oh, wow. so a little bit of pop trivia for you there. They were a couple of years apart, but uh, Christian was there later. Um, so Christian stayed with a host family over there, which I think is where he really picked up his kind of accent so he was always chilled ben and myself were super hyper and uh ben and paul together were like really 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 cheeky and and that's funny because even though paul was the eldest when him and ben kind of got together they were like like a couple of school kids and and really really fun and really really playful And, and it was a great dynamic and i think we all balanced each other out really well because even though I was the second youngest in the band, I've I've been working, you know, with my family's band since a very young age. So I've always been quite, you know, quite grown up in some ways, in others not so much. But um, but yeah, I've I so I I felt often I felt like a little bit of the dad in the band or the older brother that kind of r- role. But it was it was always really exciting. I mean, the because back then we'd be sent through uh, a schedule, and every single day was scheduled for us for month after month after month. And everything that would be in the diary would be really exciting. It would be like, you know, photo shoot with so-and-so, uh, a styling meeting. And so everything in the diary would be like, this is really happening. I mean, because I've had a couple of um, – I've, I've not really spoke about this much before, but I had a couple of near misses in the industry where things nearly happened and it didn't quite happen, which which many people do before they get their break. But I was, I was my first sort of – buy at the apple you could say was was with uh, a manager called tom watkins who uh as a gentleman that managed uh bros mm. pet shop boys e17 he was a big you know uh a, a very powerful manager in the industry and he was putting together a band called north and south oh wow <laughs> and i was yeah you i'm it, that's a real deep cut if you know that band i'm very impressed <laughs> so so he was putting together a band called north and south and i went through several audition stages with my brother my brother gary to be in that band so i i i i, I, I had a couple of near misses where i was in the studio with the producers of e17 and they had us sing a couple of e17 songs to test our vocals out it really liked us we went along to uh, tom watkins house and had uh, chats some very interesting chats it was quite eye-opening because my mum came along with us and th- this was the first kind of tape excuse me i will switch my phone to silent <laughs> the back phone is ringing um it's a very good text tone um so yeah so where was i yeah so i my, my first taste of the industry was having a meeting with this manager tom watkins look him up sometime he's quite he's quite he's quite notorious i don't know is that a good word nefarious no that's a bit too villainous um <laughs> But no, he's quite a character. He was really brash, really in your face, kind of like sitting behind a desk, a big, you know, in a in a big office. There's a lot of things I remember about it that stick out in my mind. He had this huge meta- chrome Mickey Mouse radiator on the wall. Wow, Ooh. random. But mm. I that that's funny how that kind of sticks out mm-hmm. in my mind. And he also had all the names of the bands that he'd worked with as a, a border around the the room at the top. So I saw E Seventeen, Pet Shop Boys, Bros, some big, some pretty huge bands. And so yeah, his next project was due to be North and South. It, they ended up ditching that pro- uh, project. It didn't happen. I don't know if it was because they they didn't want me and my brother. But in any case, it disappeared. It went away. We never heard anything about it again. 
there I'm thinking my my you know my dreams are shattered that's it but then to be honest with you I didn't get a great feeling about that meeting I was like Ooh, not sure I want to be managed by that guy and when you hear about the stories from Ross um, and he's 17 I actually think they went through a lot of difficult times where I, I believe that the old the age-old story is I think their managers stiffed them and they they, they ended up the, you know losing a lot of money but you know that's another conversation mm. but so uh, the band actually came out many years later as like a tv show on bbc north and south um and they had a song called man not a boy and so that was the band that i was almost gonna be in and it didn't happen um but then 1998 happened met ben met uh, christian and paul and that was the start of something new and something so much better and it, it just goes to show that sometimes you know, when things don't happen, you can think, oh, no, that's it. But then something else, even better, is just around the corner. So you've got the most consistent haircut in the sense that you've had a short back and sides. So you could have just <laughs> been like a, a Brill cream scenario or a bit of like Woolworth's 99p gel or something. How long did it take everybody else? Because honestly, the hairdos, was that part of your like completely hectic schedule? Um, I'm glad you brought it back to hairdos because I was going straight. I was going down that like business route. I was talking about all these deep and like, <laughs> things like that. And you're going, let's go back to haircuts. Um, <laughs> let's go back to haircuts and smash it. Very good idea. Good thinking. Um, you know, uh, that was obviously a big part of it. And I remember people like, uh, I was probably inspired by Scott Robinson from Five. I had a period, and Paul did as well, had a period where we would spot spike our hair with really strong gel uh-huh. and we had those kind of spikes that spiky hairstyle and and yeah it did involve a lot of gel a lot of hairspray i mean i, I i've got i've got many memories and i've still got video, there's still video footage of ben literally spraying a whole can of hairspray onto his curtains to keep it in place <laughs> reason for this is is because we would do a lot of gigs outside and it was very windy and he didn't want those curtains to move those curtains are not going to move no so yeah the hairstyles you know it's funny looking back at that but you know what i think it's something about the 90s bands we must have been taking care of ourselves a little bit more than say like the 80s bands because if you look 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 at the 80s bands now they all look like they're 60 or 70 mm-hmm. yeah. you know I don't. I think they were just. I think they might have been enjoying themselves a little bit too hard because I think '90s bands. If you look at them now, you look at like Five, you look at uh, Bewitched and Steps. We don't look that different twenty years on. So I guess we kind of something must have been happening good around that time. We were taking mm. care of ourselves. Yeah, you're you're very handsome. I've seen pictures. You're very handsome. I've got to say. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> oh, don't pay you later. You're just trying to get that signed same on brand new CD, aren't you? Damn it, you found out the plan. <laughs> no, it's all it's all sincere from the heart, I promise. It really is. So I'm, I'm really glad Scott mentioned haircuts because this is a quote from our chat about same old brand new you uh, talking about Ben. He said there was more mm-hmm. curtains than an Asda living. <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> yeah, there was. His was very good though. Mine's so we we also discussed my technique whenever I had curtains. So mine's were never as long <laughs> right, right. as any of your band members. Um, but I didn't want to have to put gel in them because there was always that like greasy kind of thing mm-hmm. across the day. So when I was at school or getting prepared for school, I'd wash my hair, I'd leave my hair wet, and I would do my I would comb forward so I had a perfect yeah, cloud yeah. field. I would then separate it so the, the line in the middle was perfect. Yeah. And what I would actually do then is twist oh. the front bits around and up onto my head and put a cap on ah. so that actually the hair dried in the cap. And then when, you know, once I had my breakfast and all of that, like I was 16 eating breakfast with a cap on, I took off my cap, <laughs> gave it a bit of a shake and they would just fall perfectly into place. And they were kind of, I kind of probably looked like the McDonald's sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They could go in the wind and then they would just drop back to where I wanted them. A bit more wind, drop back, you know. It was a good, good look. I... I I could have been in the band. These are all really good, useful tips for people who who want to sell their hair in curtains. It, it, you know, I feel like we could just have a whole chat just about you know hairstyles and curtains. Mm-hmm. But you you might need to get Ben on for that one, if I'm <laughs> honest, because he's slightly more qualified than I am to discuss that. You know, I think Ben's look was actually very iconic. I don't know if perhaps he was inspired by things that he'd seen or like other. I mean, obviously Nick Carter from the Backstreet Boys had the classic yeah. curtains, mm-hmm. but they were blonde. Mm-hmm. But I think i don't know i think ben took it somewhere else because i saw his look being copied in anime manga i it, mm-hmm. it became a very iconic look that you would see all over the world so i don't know if ben can claim responsibility for that perhaps he can i mean because yeah. he was he was very very you were perfect. the tops off guy though in the videos weren't yeah. you so he was all about the curtains and you were the one that they kind of had semi-naked well, most, uh, really. you know, you've got to tick all boxes haven't you really <laughs> but i will say if you want any if, whilst we're giving tips i think ben's tips was no product in the hair just hairspray 
Uh-huh. So wash your hair, style it, come in, and just hairspray. Because I think if you try to put product through those curtains, it, it's going to look really, you know, sticky and it's just not going to have the look. Yeah. So I don't know why we're still uh-huh. t- we're talking about this 20 years later. Does anybody even have <laughs> curtains now? <laughs> we think they could come back. The problem is, is with environmentally friendliness, we are probably not going to be able to put a whole thing of silver crin in our hairs. <laughs> you know, I think that there, people are going to have to start buying baseball caps and doing my technique as opposed to Ben's, yeah. if we're honest. Yeah. I think so. I mean, Ben Ben wears a baseball cap a lot now, so maybe he's doing that technique as well. Maybe, you know. <laughs> he's yeah. listening to the podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 the curtains was such, it was such a look though. It's the thing we always, when we watch the videos, it, we always come back to the fact that the the looks of the videos and the, the, the hair and the costumes and the, mm-hmm. the clothes, they, they, they all, oh, yeah. they're all really unique to your group. And I guess every band had to have their sort of thing. And I guess in a lot of minds, like Ben's curtains was... I can see the Smash Hits covers. I can see the oh. Top of the Pops magazine covers. I can see him on there yeah. with that look and that sort of like nice smile that he has, you know? Yeah, it's so iconic, mm-hmm. isn't it? It's a really cool thing. And I think that is what you want from these different eras. You want iconic images. And I think oh, overall, I think the video of Samuel Brand U is quite iconic in a sense. You can kind of picture it. You can kind of picture the look of it. You can mm-hmm. kind of picture the look of all of us. And then, of course, you've got, you know, the dancing in the rain, which is a, it's, it's yeah. a, a, tr- a very popular boy band trope. Yeah. But you can't really have a boy band video without having some dancing in the rain. I really like Take On Me because I remember at the time it being so kind of like, and, and, and for the production in the song, it felt really yeah. technically advanced in a day and age when, you know, we all had free serve and it was 10 p.m. minute to be on the internet and computers were brand new and actually you are doing something that that's just pretty different with the the techniques on songs and stuff itself Mm. how did the take on me thing come about and what did you think of it as a band when it it was put on the table you know when i when i think about the production of take on me it i I think it was handled really well because when we were talking about doing covers i i can remember this vividly as well i can remember the boardroom that we were in at sony and i remember our manager sitting at the end of the table saying we need to come up with some covers and we were all suggesting ideas i suggested don't stop me now by queen i suggested abracadabra which I think it was a great tune. As it happened, McFly, I think, did Don't Stop Me Now later, didn't they? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. And I think they probably had a number one with that. So but but nobody suggested Take On Me because Christian would be like, wouldn't dare touch that song. You know, coming from Norway, Take yeah. On Me is such a uh, like an anthem, is their second national anthem. But our manager said, How about Take On Me? Christian was nervous, but he said we're gonna get Mark Taylor uh, and Graham Stack to produce it. Now, mm. Mark Taylor, for those that are, are not aware, he produced Shares Believe. Mm, yes. So, and he also produced Enrique Iglesias' Hero. So, <laughs> he he. Uh, but but more more significant is Shares Believe because the sound of that track was very kind of iconic, obviously yeah. hugely iconic. Yeah. And I think he had such a great hit uh, with that. And I think it was kind of, they, they were the right team to produce Take On Me because if anybody was going to treat it with uh, the, you know, the care and respect that it needed, it would be those guys. So we had great producers on the track. I mean, that was back in the days when we didn't, produce the tracks Mm -hmm. it was only it was only like caught in the middle where we were much more hands-on i mean i i played piano on every opportunity i had like on the tracks and i know christian played guitar on a few of them as well but this was a case of we would be we would be brought into the studio and we would listen to the track what do you think and it it had such impact because i'm not going to say you i'm not going to say it's better than the original because you can't compete with that uh, you know uh, that song but if you think about the original it starts with that opening drum yeah and and then you just hear the keyboard like the original is it just is so emotive and it kind of makes you it takes you right back to that place it takes you to the 80s it is pure pure 80s but i think what our version did it took all of some of the best elements of 90s noughties dance and put it into this this cover version which i think is really exciting and i i think it has a lot of its own kind of elements that make it stand out on its own and it sounded so fat and Mm. thumpy in a in a club and that that is what you need for a cover and i think 20 years on still sounds pretty good yeah of course they're going to be playing the original more than they're going to play our cover version but it still gets quite a lot of plays and it's still uh you know recognized as as a good as a good cover i mean because you know you don't want to be on that list of really bad covers there's a lot of those but fortunately it's it's you know it's not bad and it got to number one where they only got to number two so can't argue with that 
that's a pretty big accolade to to have on the sort of musical CV that you actually beat Aha, which is considered one of the best, as you said, one of the best '80s tracks of, of yeah. that decade. And, yeah, I think, and you, I think and they you were crying better. all the way to the bank. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, certainly vocally, it's a, it's a good song to prove your range because we did say when we spoke about it on on the podcast that it, you know, mm. the, the the build of the chorus, you, you you've got to start very low and you get very That's high right. by the end of it. It's a That's it's a it's a hell of a showpiece. Just Come on, for, let's do it. Let's the, do it. Here we go. Here we go. Take. <laughs> You know what? That high note is not as high as everybody makes out. It's just the way it's sung. Yeah. It sounds really high. Yeah. Because I'm going to do it now. I'm going to step away from the mic. But it, oh, go on. Have you got it in you? Have you got it in you? Take it away, guys. There you go. <laughs> uh, it sounds a bit like feedback. Like, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's brilliant. You're exactly right. It starts very low, and it's it's just one of those amazing choruses that is very unique. There aren't a lot of other songs like it, you know, starting with the riff. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there were a ton of songs in the 80s with keyboard synth riffs and stuff, but I don't, I you know, uh, the, when that comes back around, you can kind of pinpoint where they took that from. So, like, if you take a song like The Weeknd. Um, Blinding Lights. Blinding Lights. That is purely inspired by Take On Me. You yeah. can almost put the songs together. That is like... Mm-hmm. It's so 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 much of a sort of a rewrite of Take On Me with the structure of the song, but they are quite rare. So I th- I, th- I think it's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant song. And yeah, I think we just about got away with it. I wonder if you'd agree with us on this point. We've talked about this a few times through the podcast where we've said that, you know, back in the 2000s, bands were seem to be clearly put together about how good a sound that they can make together through all of the different, you know, elements of the track and all of the different things you can do within the harmony. Whereas it feels now, even though we're in an age where there's way less kind of boy bands generally, it feels now that it's it's very contrived. And it's kind of the same for girl bands where what you're got what they're doing is they're they're thinking well ahead and they're thinking they're not thinking necessarily harmonies. They're thinking future solo artists a lot of the time. And yeah, they work well together with their big powerful voices, but it seemed to be, you know, Spice Girls era, A1 era, Blue era and stuff. It was all very much about what they could do as a group. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like nowadays they're, they're pretty much thinking ahead to if that band breaks up, how much extra can we do with those individual artists? Yeah, I think some people would be thinking that. Certainly, like, you know, your Simon Cowles of the world and stuff, when they put together a band like One Direction, they're thinking about, wow, we've got like five solo artists here in a band just think you know how uh, well we'll be able to do with that and of course they did but i think i think the problem for me now and this is uh, i hope it doesn't make me sound old is i just think everybody's trying to sound like everyone else instead of trying to sound like themselves they like they everybody wants to sound the same as the song that was a hit a couple of weeks ago or everyone wants to jump on that edm uh, bandwagon and i think even though it's cool i love that music but i just think it produces a whole ton of songs with not a particularly strong identity that are very here today, gone tomorrow. So I don't know if it was the same. I I probably wouldn't have noticed at the time in the noughties, but I just feel like there's a lot of kind of similar songs on the radio that don't have enough of an identity. And I think certainly it's, you know, there are some amazing artists out there, there are some amazing female artists out there, but I feel like there's a lot of them that are kind you could kind of lump into a category of all sorts of sounding very similar, but then maybe, People were saying the same about us back in the day. Well, you stand mm-hmm. out quite differently. I don't think there was a, you know, you didn't have a baby when you're grinding, you know, like, <laughs> so Blue were getting pretty filthy <laughs> on one side of yeah, the, yeah. one side of the UK, you guys are like, you know, taking on me, yeah. you know, it was all, all very different, but there was much more very clear, unique selling points back then i think blue were just taking carrying on taking the baton from another level and just yeah. carrying on that and it was yeah. it was very it was it was very in at that time and i think it was the right thing to do because i think things were moving away from the 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 squeaky clean you know uh all smiley boy bands you know dressed like the teletubbies or whatever <laughs> but um but i mean uh not all actually i'll say the wiggles which were like an australian tv yeah. show we, we sometimes <laughs> felt like we were dressed like them but um and uh, but you know the uh, I, I think things were changing and but we, we, we did change though I and mean, we we actually changed our style way before a lot of other bands like uh, Busted and McFly had come out so we were actually you know, heading more in that direction anyway we certainly evolved as a band but here's the thing the fans that really loved us as the uh, all dancing all singing boy band that we were perhaps they didn't want us to be a, a pop indie band perhaps they didn't want that mm-hmm. they pro- they liked the A1 that they grew up with so so when we sort of changed things a little bit you know there's no denying Caught in the Middle was a great song and everybody enjoyed that but I think it might have 
split opinions a little bit, which is interesting because at that point, I, we could see all the reviews and all all, all the, the reviews in the magazines, whatever that's worth, were, were amazing. They were like, this is the best thing A1 have ever done and the, the album's great and everything. But that was the... So it's funny. It's a funny thing in this industry. When you get the the critical acclaim sometimes you lose the some of the audience and yeah. that's something that you have to kind of that's something all, all bands go through yeah mm-hmm. it's funny you've mentioned just the uh, one point i want to come back to i mean you're a you're a songwriter as well so you, you've you've been doing a1 again since the big reunion and also you've been writing for other artists as well and of course releasing your own music yeah. as well we're gonna we're getting to get, get on to that shortly as well but you, you say that like a lot of the the pop music now lacks an identity and it kind of all blurs into one me and scott were having a lunch yesterday in, in town and the radio was on and there was a there was about five or six tracks back to back all female pop stars and i will say on, on record I, th- I think female pop stars are having a real moment there's a real good new generation coming through like oh, there's yeah. Dua Lipa and Miley Cyrus the new Miley Cyrus track came out this weekend and it's it's production wise very very similar to Dua Lipa's Break My Heart it's by the same producer incidentally <laughs> but the structure is very similar you know certain production techniques quite uh, are very close to each other yeah. um, and I think that, that there certainly is more of a, a, a blend of, of, of things and it is kind of hard to make them to differentiate yeah. between them, yeah, it must be interesting. Who, do, who does um, the King and Queens track? That's Ava Max, yeah. That Ava Max. Ava Max. yeah. Don't you think that's a bit similar to an old Bon Jovi song? Shot through the heart, mm. and you're to yeah. blame. Mm-hmm. You give love. I think you could actually put those two songs together, yeah. and um, but that just goes to show that there's not an awful lot of original ideas coming out now. It's just kind of throwback. It's it's all about like throwing back to the things that made you feel good, yeah. And that's why it's that's why when you get an artist like Billie Eilish that is so unique and mm. really really you know as, as sticking to her guns and doing her own thing that's what i think makes her stand out so unique but i think a lot of other people are kind of just you're right it is a really amazing time but i think when you hear them all in a row you're kind of like which one's that which one is this, yeah. is this ava max is this mm-hmm. do a lipper is this, you know but yeah that's not a bad thing it's not bad to be no. kind of blessed with such great music you know no yeah. i think we're in a really good moment i'm really enjoying everything that's coming out and i think you mentioned the weekend blinding lights before as well and yeah. that's a very heavily 80s inspired track and it's funny yeah. I've, I've seen a lot of people i talk to who are saying that that's kind of kicked off an 80s resurgence i think it's been going on b- b- before the weekend and i think he's just kind of been it never left. it's never it's, yeah. it's never gone i think it's going through a moment right now and you know like, like i've mentioned Dua Lipa, there's other artists who are doing similar sort of things i, I was reading a, a thing online recently and it was talking about you know everything's so 80s now w- at what point do we just start saying well this is 20s music this is this is what 2020 sounds like yeah. I, I, I found that such an interesting point to come up and there was some people who were saying well it's so it's so 80s and it's so kind of hard to move out of that category but but maybe if everything sounds like that this is just what this is what our era is. It's, it's, it's 2020 music. You're absolutely right. I think a few artists are trying to bring it to the 90s. I mean, like Bruno Mars, his, mm. uh, some of his stuff that he's been doing sounds pure kind of early 90s uh, with like uh, Jam and Lewis, Teddy Riley style production. And I think that's probably the next, I think that's where things are gradually going to move to. I, I, I think it's great that people are still bringing up all these cool 80s elements because the, the reason for that is is because you've got shows like Stranger Things yeah. and you've got so many shows mm. that use that as their soundtrack and it does go a long way to creating this amazing feeling like whenever I think of that music it just takes me back to a really great time but the funny thing is is people who are experiencing that for the first time they're making it their own and they're the, you know people are now dressing like it's the 80s and the 90s and stuff so but I think it's not pure 80s it's more of a kind of a uh, a mashup of 80s and early 90s so i i, I mm-hmm. when, when we talk about a1 when we talk about uh doing a new album and we're thinking oh let's should we do an 80s styles i'm i'm kind of thinking we're a late 90s noughties band if we were going to do a throwback kind of sound i think we should throw back to the sound that made us and actually do a 90s sounding album what are you guys working on then as a band if you're saying you're thinking like 90s well, we've we've got uh, you know a two two thirds of an album already done, and um, but it, we we we, have, we were doing a tour as you know the boys are back tour earlier in the year before this all the the, the chaos went down so that was actually uh, cancelled and the the, the the remaining dates are rescheduled for next year but we were work every opportunity we had we were writing together we were singing together because that's the 
big difference between uh, A1 now and 20 years ago is is we relied on the producers, but now we are the producers and the writers. Mm-hmm. Well, we were always the writers, but now we're the producers as well. So yeah. so we can just bring our laptops on the road, which doesn't sound very cool. It doesn't sound very rock and roll. It's quite sad <laughs> when you think about it. Right, let's make an album. Laptops out. Um, <laughs> it's, it's like, wow. What, what happened to the days of like bands being in the studio, right? Like, you know, let's do this. And no, it's like, let's get our laptops and our samples out and drag this file here and drag this file there we'll make a hit yeah so so we we are working on an album and we got some great songs really good songs and the, the most exciting thing about this album is it will be the first album that we've done with paul mm. so in a very very long time so so it's definitely something we're going to look to get uh, to put out probably early early next year yeah, depending on how things go. I mean, the way this year is flying by now, it's probably going to be sort of next spring. But we'll definitely put a new song out in the new year. Well, if you oh, want to film the video for it around Paul's neck of the woods, because I'm sitting in Sunderland right now and Liam's in Newcastle. Yeah. So, you know, we could we could be extras in the background. And, you know, we're gorgeous. So we could really, <laughs> really spice it up a little bit for you if you need, if you need something like that. Uh, what's the theme going to be? I mean, like, we've, we've kind of done mechanics. Uh, so I don't know what else we could do. We'll come up with something. Bald, mm. hair transplants and I can go back to the curtains days, really, because I've lost <laughs> most of me, most of my chops gone these days. That's, that's a good look too. That's, that absolutely works as well. So you um, know, uh, let's do it. I, I'm okay. We've 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 agreed. That's, that's what we're going to do. Perfect. It's a first contract, by the way. Just so you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as part of our quest, we've been reviewing all the pop songs of the year 2000 so far, and we're going to be heading into 2001 and then 2002 very shortly. There's two more A1 tracks that we'll cover because they got in the top 10. We've got No More and, of course, Caught in the Middle. What can we expect? Right. I'm not looking forward too much. I'm not really like I'm not really going too far ahead of myself to these tracks. I'm kind of coming at them fresh every time. Um, I, I will have heard these songs back in the day because I was an avid, you know, SMTV, Saturday show, live and kicking kind of person. So I will have seen them and heard them. But just give me a little flavor. What can we expect from these tracks? And do you think they've got potential to knock off our winners, which are, of course, Daft Punk for me and um, Kylie spinning around for Scott? Oh, yeah, I remember spin around um so i i think after um samuel brownie you we we just done take on me very up tempo number one samuel brownie you up tempo number one i feel like we should have gone to a ballad but you know what one of them the unfortunate things about a1 is a lot of the times we'd we want to release ballads but the record label would be saying and the, the management westlife are the ballad band they've got it sewn up we can't release ballads because westlife are releasing ballads but we're like we write a lot of really good ballads. We mm. have so many great ballads on our albums. And that was proved over in Southeast Asia because there are so many songs on the A-list album that Take On Me and Same Over and You came off mm-hmm. of that were released, that were huge hits. We've got songs over there. When we go over there and they're like, oh, yeah, this song was number one for 16 weeks. We're like, what? <laughs> um, and then we, we're doing a completely different set in Asia with songs like Living the Dream and One More Try and song, that these big ballads. But because Westlife had it, the, the, you know, that part of the market really sewn up, we never got to release ballads in the UK very much. So other, other than Every Time and Like a Rose. And so, so we we went with no more after Samo Brand New to kind of continue that sort of style of the very kind of NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, Max Martin kind of sound. Mm. And to be honest with you, I didn't feel like that was really us. I think we just about got away with it with Samo Brand New because it was a really good song. And at the end of the day, I think Samo Brand New is one of those songs that would work no matter what production you put with it. And, and even mm. though the production is very much that Swedish kind of Max Martin pop, it wasn't produced by Max Martin. It was uh, produced by a guy called Eric Foster White, who has who has produced for Britney Spears. Mm. So no more, if I'm honest, I uh, and I'm not really selling it very well here for your uh, for the competition. <laughs> but no more, I believe, was a bit of a misstep for us. It was great fun making the video in Singapore. We had an we did an awesome video where we were fighting ninjas, as you do. <laughs> um, but in terms of the song. I always felt like it was a bit of a mis- misstep. We hadn't written it. We wanted to push a song that we'd written ourselves, but the, the record company and management were like, nope, this is your next single. Okay. So I, I, I don't, if you were putting it up against Daft Punk and spinning around, I, I'm not sure uh, how it will fare. But obviously, the A1 fans may think differently. It's interesting that we, when we do No More Live with a band, I love it. Mm. But in terms of the production at the time, I don't think it really stands up. Okay. Mm-hmm. What about songs then from that era that you admire or kind of, I know you you never really change your, your life and such, but is there anything that you kind of wish you could have had as yours from the 
2000s, late 90s, early noughties? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's always a few few hits here and there that you go, oh, what a great track uh, from bands in our in our era. I, I really liked Five Song, When the Lights Go Out. I thought mm. that was a really good pop song from that era. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Slightly underrated, I'd say. Yeah, well. definitely. And, and I absolutely loved uh, Quit Playing Games by Backstreet Boys. Mm. I think that was a game changer in terms of that sound of pop because I think Quit Playing Games was probably the precursor to the better version of it, which was I Want It That Way, yeah. but, um, which is brilliant song i think one of the best best pop songs of all time but but i think and interestingly quit playing games was the uh, the song that kind of helped christian to decide to be in a1 because christian he comes from a you know kind of like folk uh, country music background and he mm. didn't really know what boy bands were so when he was studying in paul mccartney's school lipper in liverpool and he saw the the ad to, to audition for a boy band, he was asking people, what's a boy band? Because if you think about it, around about that time, yeah, there was there was five and stuff. And uh, But I don't think, you know, if, if unless you were, a, I don't know, a teenage girl or somebody that was really actively seeking out that kind of music, you might not notice what was going on in the boy band world. So Christian had no clue. And somebody said, oh, you know, like the Backstreet Boys. Okay. So he checked out <laughs> Quick Playing Games. He thought, that's a really good it's a really good pop song. So he said, yeah, I'll be in a boy band. Wow. So, so yeah, I, I, I feel like songs like that, songs like that were standout songs for me. And a lot of what Robbie Williams was doing as well at the time, She's the One. I loved that sound because I think it's very much a sort of a throwback to some of the bands that I, I used to love when I was, and I still do, you know. Band that, that Guy Chambers, who wrote with Robbie, was mm. in uh, a world party. They had they had hits like She's the One. They actually did it originally. And if you listen to the original version of uh, She's the One, it's, it's identical to the Robbie wow. version. So, uh, and I think a lot of people don't, realize that you know uh, so how much guy chambers had an influence on robbie's music and that all comes from you know influences like the beatles so i i loved anything that sounded like that but yeah i i, I thought always thought take that were a brilliant band and i think back for good is one of the best pop songs ever written yeah. as well and, mm-hmm. and it's one of the, it's a, such a great song I, I mean i haven't i i wouldn't say i've listened to it too much now to see if it stood the test of time but i know that at the time when i saw them perform that for the first time on the brit awards which is where they debuted the song it had such an impact on me i was like wow. okay that's a game changer see i think summertime of our lives had we done the back end of 1999 liam would have loved it because liam has um a little bit of soft spot for latin guitar mm. and you're kind of pumped yeah, yeah, with yeah. that too and you'll 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 have been devastated that you missed that one really i i, I yeah <laughs> you know the, the latin guitar the latin guitar is probably the best thing about that song and that track sorry to, to I, I don't mean to talk uh, uh bad about it but i i felt like that song was a bit too much like a jingle for me i felt like i felt like it just sounded like this, this jingle that just goes around 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 your head um <laughs> so it, it wasn't really a song for me it was more like a jingle a, a catchy jingle i can see it now i think you could have been the advert for tenor man you know jumping around <laughs> in your kind of vests and things like that on the beat um, and that could have been it it could have been like have the summertime yeah, the vi- just pee into the your video pants. was a great <laughs> video was a great experience love the video though leaky bladder no worry mark reed has it covered (laughs) (laughs) what about them what's going down with you at the moment so you've got your new single smile again which is pretty uplifting you're gonna have to tell us more about it yeah for sure so i uh just a week ago i released smile again uh which was a song that i felt was the right song to release now because uh with the year that everyone's having i just wanted to put something out that was a little bit more uplifting and hopefully helps hopefully helps people put in a better mood i mean i actually Mm -hmm. did write a song that was much more reflective about the lockdown previously called where were you when the world stopped and and that was quite that was more of a deeper song and and i think that was right for that time but i felt like you know what Let's try and oh, just take our minds off everything that's happening. It, we're, let's let's try to enjoy the summer, and that's why I released Smile Again. And it's really resonated and connected with people because it's just about, you know, you may have been for a bit of a tough time, but it's just kind of like coming out on the other side, feeling better about things and, you know, facing the world with a smile. Mm. It, 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 when I heard it this morning, I just thought it's uh, it is it is the tonic that the world sort of needs. I, I, totally, I totally agree. It is, it is a tonic. 
it's a cleanse thank you and, and i was and i was uh yeah that's a good word absolutely it's meant to be a cleanse it's meant to be you know hopefully it just becomes a part of people's summer soundtrack for this year because you know we need as much as we can get to kind of like lift our spirits and stuff but you know i was i i was working on the track and then when it came to like categorizing it uh, a good friend of mine was saying well you know that's kind of tropical house don't you yeah, it's like yeah. tropical mm-hmm. house i'm hearing something new here now because you know, it, for me, it's like dance, it's pop, but there's so many categories now. Mm-hmm. And apparently Smile Again is Tropical House. So yeah. that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. And I think it might be because there's a hint of steel drums in the chorus. I love steel drums. We've talked about <laughs> our favourite instruments. Still- and I'm big on piano, oh, yeah? I'm big on strings, but if you put steel drums into something, I lose my shit. Love it. Really, really good. Mm. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't bring the steel drums up too loud in the mix because I felt like, yeah, that was a couple of years ago now. Mm-hmm. So I was kind <laughs> Kind of trying to, uh, they are in there, but I kind of just brought it down a little bit so it wasn't too too obvious, too in your face. Maybe that was a mistake. I'll do a remix just yeah, for you. Yeah, love it. I, love I it. think I think it's <laughs> safe to do steel drums, especially this year, because I think people are so focused on not being able to go to Spain and France pretty much right now <laughs> that I think people are thinking further and they're like, maybe I'm going to go to Barbados. You know, you're thinking small islands, and actually, you're filling you're filling the back of people's heads with the dream. You know, you're you're ticking the box at the exact right time um, mm. with a bit of steel. Drum, you can that it. feeling absolutely. absolutely absolutely well i think we need to say a big thank you to you mark first of all for coming and chatting with us because it's been so fascinating and just so interesting to to really peek behind the curtain as we've done so much today and i think we also need to say thank you to the a1 fans who got got got, got the track to the point where it got in our in our in our world cup and of course led us to to get to talk to you i mean there must be for, from from your point of view as somebody now who's you know the the, the band started t- 22 years ago sorry to put like a big number on it but you know it must be it must be very validating for you when you know your phones get notifications and you're seeing things that we've done or things that other folks have done and it's just a reminder that even all this time later on you're still validated and still adored and loved well firstly i switch off notifications uh, uh, that would drive me out yes um, yeah but you know yeah it's incredible i mean like I never really thought about it. it's just kind of happened but i never would have imagined that all these years later 20 years later we were still talking about this stuff but that's really lovely thing and and thanks again for for having me on the show today and uh, it's been really great chatting with you and i mean like an hour's just kind of flown by and i feel like we barely scratched the surface with the mm. things that we can talk about but it's been it's been really really nice really enjoyed it and and again just echoing what you said about the a1 fans they are incredible they're absolutely amazing they really come through for us i think we were we were trying to come up with a name for them the other day when we did our a1 online virtual show mm. i'll give a quick plug for the next one as well we got the next one on the 2nd of october by the way so so it, obviously this is the new normal doing shows online concerts online but it worked quite well and we, we have a lot of fun with our fans q a and everything so we were trying to come up with a name for our amazing fans and we've settled on a onesies yeah. like it yes uh-huh. i like that yeah, yeah. That's, that's nice well yeah. me and liam are about to form a band and we you know we're close to the a1 motorway but actually um we're within the a19 <laughs> so we're going to be the a19 and you're probably going to be our only fan so you can be like an a19 z if you like <laughs> a19, i like it right never mind yeah he hasn't he hasn't heard us yet in fairness he, no. yes, but he will hold off for now Matt, I'm, off. I'm, I'm taking my headphones off i'm taking my headphones off. Uh, you should quit while you're ahead we, it was too, yeah. you know, we had it in the back you know the singing take on me it sounded great and then <laughs> stick to enrique <laughs> Thank yeah. you very much. Oh, it, it, the Enrique yeah. is very good. What can we have another blessed Enrique? Oh, there it is. Go on. <laughs> you know what? Actually, I, it, when we when we do our albums as well, you could probably do an entire outtake track uh, outtake track of us doing that. Yeah, yeah I think that's <laughs> a staple of every pop band from the nineties and noughties. Is just yeah. A, yeah, I mean Britney Spears did uh-huh. it as well. Everybody did. That yeah, yeah I, I think I, um, <laughs> Britney got a bit over the top, didn't she? With Slave for You, I think when my dad came into the room and was like, "What the hell have you got on the TV?" Love the noughties. Yeah, it's, it, we're we're really enjoying it. We're looking forward to starting two thousand and one, and it's just we're one year into a ten year journey, and it's taken us I think four or five months. So yeah, it's going to take us in total about four years to get through it all. But we're we're just loving it so much. It'll it's be just worth it. it'll be worth it. I mean, it, and, it really and I, is. I know I did um, I did uh, crap on no more a little bit, but the thing is, is uh, we followed it up with caught in the middle, which Absolutely. was yeah. you know a game changer for us. Uh-huh. So it'll be. 
it'll be fun to get to that and i i really look forward to hearing you talk about that one because i think in terms of the production it was uh it was a great sound and and when i listen back to that it still holds up mm-hmm. do you want to know right what we've done because we did actually because i was uh, we were talking about it before you you've come on because it's a really 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 good song and um, we were trying to figure out why it got to number two and we twigged just before you've arrived that it was enrique Iglesias before you saw it you're in a hard hard pot because there's a <laughs> january 2002 right um, if I look, and we, we don't we don't tend to skip forward this much, but you're in beside Pink, Get the Party Started. You've got uh, Britney Spears, Overprotected. You've got Backstreet Boys, Drowning, Aaliyah, More Than a Woman. Um, and obviously the obvious winner, DJ Alligator. Blow my whistle, bitch. <laughs> there you go. That, cl- that classic. Yeah. That yeah. Classic, I yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so it's a it's a good week. It's it's going to be a very good. That's going to be a very good start to the year two thousand and two because you're going to be in yeah. the first one of the first two episodes, which is I'll class. Be honest, I can't see anything beating Pink on that one. It's interesting. Yeah, because it, yeah, mm-hmm. from what we've done with Pink so far, she's still been kind of R and B, isn't she? And she's still been yeah. kind of blending in amongst the rest of the R and B um, artists at that time, and then. Yeah, with Get the Party started, she really starts to emerge as the pink we know now, who's got that edge and a bit more yes. of the attitude. And yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a really tricky, tricky month. But certainly I think the the impression that Ear One's left on me in twenty twenty, as somebody who was four year old when these songs were first coming out, um it's been such a positive experience and I, and I said in the review when we spoke about it at the time that it's tracks that I do feel like I have like missed out on for 20 years because I just haven't immersed myself in pop music quite as much as we have been lately and hearing things like same old brand new you for the in my mind the first time as a an adult has just been so joyous and now it's one of the, one of the tracks that i kind of come back to on my self happy playlist and it gets me pumped and it makes me feel good and it makes me mm. realize that what we're doing here is just so worthwhile and so much fun so thank you very much for, no, thank, for the you. Music. thank you for the music thank you i really appreciate that and thank you for what you're doing thank you for the great show and i know that everybody's loving it what you're doing and uh yeah that's what it's all about at the end of the day these songs if they can take you back to to your happy place mm-hmm. then it's uh, our, our work is done yeah it's great to feel like a four-year-old again. I mean, it's everyone's dream, isn't it, to be to be four-year-old again and just have no worries, no problems, no taxes, no job or redundancies to worry about. You're just you're just loving life, just giggling away at yourself in the corner, watching watching top Absolutely. of the pops. <laughs> Absolutely. Although I'm sure the the uh, the average four-year-old's life these days is very complicated, very. and uh, you know they're already confused. Yeah, they're already. Uh, their devices their iPads and yeah. stuff and trying to figure everything out but, but yeah amazing thanks Brilliant. chaps thank you so much Mark enjoy the rest of your day thank you for taking the time you too there you go that was mark reed from a1 wasn't he lovely wasn't he so fantastic i'm gonna have to bump you down the list i think me and mark are besties now so it's me oh mm-hmm. that's so annoying because <laughs> i was gonna say the same thing to you yeah yeah oh, no. I, I, I emailed mark just this afternoon because i gave him that link for the smash hits thing oh wow 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 uh, yeah, what a lovely yeah, guy yeah. it's nice whenever they're not douchebags isn't it no and i i got that vibe off mark he sounds like a really down-to-earth guy and the music speaks for itself as we're having that conversation you know that mm-hmm. the music they made was so so early noughties so late 90s and it was so beautiful and it was great to chat to him so once again thanks mark for chatting to us aha uh-huh. but things are a change in because what we need you to do is join us this friday for the first episode of 2001 can't believe i've just said the number i know where we'll be chatting about the year's first number one singles from Rio da silva and jennifer lopez as well as big hits from steps fragment and feeder i can't wait please if you haven't already please do subscribe and if you fancy it uh, leave us a nice review on apple Podcasts or whatever podcast app that you use because uh, yeah. we'd love to get more guests yeah. like mark in the future on the podcast and your help would be really appreciated in getting that message out there we want to speak to all the pop stars so uh, thank you very much for your help and please do join us on friday for 2001 oh my goodness see you there can't wait can't wait ah.